Hi guys. All right, I got some stuff for you. Um, I'm feeling better today. I had a pretty rough day yesterday, but I am, I am feeling better today. Um, I worked today, I worked a really long day. It was really long and kind of crazy. Just went, went, went all day. Um, but I felt good. I, I was really tired this morning when I woke up. I like did not want to go to work um, on the verge of calling in and taking a mental health day, which would have been okay. I'm definitely an advocate of that, but I was like on the fence and kind of feeling like, oh, is this a mental health day or are you isolating because you're depressed? So I dusted myself off, put on my scrubs, and took my ass to work and I'm really glad that I did because I ended up having a good day I learned a lot um got to spend the day with my favorite doctor that I work with and um I had a really good day with my patients excuse me um so tomorrow we have health class and I run that class um excuse me one second I'm gonna take a drink of water Um, I run that class and I always ask them that what they want to learn about. And this week they wanted to learn about adrenaline and stress response. And so I started typing up my notes for that. And I kind of like to do half physical health, half mental health during my class. And so I thought a good thing to go along with the physical side of that is... Um, development of negative thought processes in negative inner dialogue when we're under chronic stress or in just really stressful and harmful environments. Um, I work with patients who are recovering from eating disorders, so this is going to be presented in a way that's eating disorder specific just because that's the way I wrote it, but I think it's really applicable to if you're recovering from um, domestic abuse, narcissistic abuse. Um, so you can kind of just replace the eating disorder part with, you know, um, whatever your situation is. And I'll also share that I struggled with an eating disorder, um, in high school and got some treatment for it. Um, and was able to overcome that. And then when I entered into, um, my abusive relationship that's been going on over the last three years on and off. Um, it did return for me and it actually got much worse this time. So I'm okay now. Um, went back for treatment, popped out of it, overcame that. Um, but just kind of wanted to throw that out there too, that, um, you know, going through abuse, especially I think in, well, no, with parents too. It could be parenting. It could be a romantic relationship. Mine was a romantic relationship. Um, the second time, the first time was my dad and mom. Um, but you know, eating disorders can happen in abusive relationships. Um, you know, I was pretty restrictive. That was my thing. Um, I dealt with bulimia as a teenager, and when it came back as an adult during my abusive relationship. I just wasn't eating, (laughs) Uh, wasn't good, so 
All right. So we're going to talk about chronic stress and what that does. Um, and I want to talk a little bit about the ED voice or the negative inner voice and the development of that and what we can do about that. So a good place to start is to think about how old were you the first time you can remember looking back and identifying an eating disorder thought or um, a negative inner thought. Can you even remember the first time your mind kind of told you something negative about yourself? I mean, I personally can't remember specifically, but I kind of can pinpoint an age. Um, I kind of remember this starting for me pretty early on, I would say like nine, maybe. And then it got eating disorder specific around 15 years old. Um, Another good way you could pinpoint it is when was the last time you didn't worry about food? Or when was the last time you were totally oblivious to the way you look, um, you know, being, being the sole factor in your worth. I think this is an important marker. Again, for me, I think it was around age nine or 10. Um, got a little heavier around age 12. So when stress increases, we can start to feel a loss of control. Um, so as a kid, you know, or as an adult, it could stem from home life, um, parents divorcing. That was a huge one for me. My parents got a divorce twice, (laughs) uh, once when I was nine. So when this started, um, got remarried again about a year later and then they got divorced again when I was 17. So actually that was pretty correlated to my issues with my eating disorder and negative inner voice forming. Um, another big one is if someone you care about, your significant other, or maybe a parent, if their health starts to go in a bad direction, particularly mental health, um, alcoholism in the family, loved ones falling into depression or substance use. And the issue with that is, and what I'm talking about and how it affects it is, you become responsible for the happiness of others. You become responsible for the happiness of another person. And when we can't do that for them, when we can't bring them happiness, that sends a particular message that I'm kind of going to teach you about that's important to be aware of and it's important to combat it. Um, There is an exhaustion found in trying to constantly be someone's sunshine and not thinking of yourself, right? There is an exhaustion that you reach when you are trying to bring someone happiness when you cannot because someone's happiness comes from within and if they're not working on themselves and they're so deep in their shit, you know, and, and you're engaged with this person and they're convincing you that, that their happiness depends on you, that's a, that's a lot of responsibility, that's a big job. So think about that. And also, you know, I think that here's a thought to fight the stigma of mental illness. And if you deal with these things, right? Like, so I'm here telling you I've dealt with an eating disorder. 
I deal with depression. I deal with anxiety, right? I deal with mental health issues. Um, but I want to know, did you feel like the normal one in the family growing up or like more of a grown-up than the grown-ups in your house? Or like you just... You wanted the people that were caring for your caring for you to do it differently because um, I definitely felt that way. So even though I deal with these issues, I always felt like the normal one or the more sane one, right? So the, the reality of it is there's nothing wrong with dealing with mental illness. It's quite common and it's becoming more normalized in the world, which I'm thankful for. Um, but a lot of the time, it doesn't, well, let me rephrase that. None of the time does it come from being weak. A lot of the time, it comes from being strong for too long, right? Being that, being that overly responsible person in the situation. And that wears on you. So this is kind of how that negative inner voice develops. Um, it comes from a core thing that kind of I just described with being taught somehow along the way, I am not enough. I am not blank enough, whatever that is, right? I am not worthy enough. I am not loving enough. I am not smart enough. Whatever it is, whatever your version of that is, I am not blank enough for my mom or dad um, or significant other. That's why they choose alcohol over me. That's why they choose another person over me. That's why they choose work over me. You got divorced parents when you're a little kid. That's why they choose their boyfriend or girlfriend over me. That's why they don't spend time with me anymore. I'm not enough. I'm not enough to pull them out of their depression. Right? Et cetera, et cetera. These are just examples. Behavior and treatment from others in our environment can teach our minds that. They can teach it, well, this person isn't meeting my emotional needs or physical needs or both. So... I just must not be worthy enough. Okay? So that's the introduction of loss of self-worth. That's a significant thing to pinpoint in your healing journey. Where and who the hell taught you that? So self-confidence, right, that you got when you were a little kid. I was real self-confident when I was a little kid. But along the way, that self-confidence was replaced with a negative voice saying, well, the things in my environment and the people in my environment are telling me I'm not enough, so I just must not be enough. I'm not enough. I'm not worthy enough to have my needs met, so I must not deserve to have them met. Does that sound familiar? Um... On top of things feeling very out of control, right? Especially in abusive relationships, 
Um, things are very out of control. Things are very unpredictable. Up, down, up, down, upside down. Um, you know, this isn't how we want it to be. Sometimes if we're born into this environment, we don't, we don't know anything else. That's all we've experienced. We just know we don't want it that way. We want something different. Um, we want our situation fixed and we become the fixer. So that's where that codependency develops to try to gain that sense of control. I definitely suffer from that. Um, you know, and then after that, we go into the world from childhood, if you're learning this in childhood. We go into the world with the two things that I just explained. I am not enough. I am not worthy. And then we try to go to school. We try to make friends. We try to date. Um, and then that negative inner voice kind of along the way is going, why try? You're not enough. Or you're going to really have to prove it more and more that you're enough for this person or for these people. If an eating disorder develops, enough becomes body image. Enough turns into obsession and perfectionism. If I can just be this size or if I can just be X weight or if I can just be this skinny, I will be enough. That's what that looks like. So it's two things. It's to gain control back from feeling out of control. And more importantly, it's to stop the pain. Gut-wrenching pain of not ever being enough to whoever you're trying to be enough for. So if you've made the decision to enter treatment or start your healing process... I want to commend you because that's a brave decision to abandon your your number one coping skill, right? That unhealthy coping skill that's gotten so bad that it's just really affecting your life. So that could be an eating disorder. That could be engaging in an abusive relationship. Because it's all a distraction from what is really hurting us. Um, so the first step would be to kind of identify that you're not that. You're not that. That's a coping mechanism that's developed probably involuntarily, right? You know, we don't, we don't choose to have an eating disorder. We don't choose to enter an abusive relationship. These are things that kind of just happen to us because of our background and some things, and, and sometimes they just happen. But it's important to recognize that you have an identity outside of that and that that's not you. That is not your identity. Um, it's something that you're going through. But your eating disorder voice or your negative inner voice from an abuser isn't you. It's a psychological injury that has developed due to your environment teaching you you're unworthy. So let's unlearn that. We can unlearn that. It's not true. An exercise that I have my patients do is have them name something that they feel that they're 
they feel makes them worthy outside of how they look. So tell me why you're worthy outside of the way you look. And if you're not going through an eating disorder and it's just an abusive relationship, not to minimize it, but I'm trying to isolate here. If it's a it's the abusive relationship, then I want you to name why you're worthy and explain that. Having nothing to do with your abuser's validation or them loving you or qualities having to do with them whatsoever. I'll go first. I am worthy because I say so. I know in my heart I'm a good person. I've made mistakes. I've had to apologize to people. That makes me a good person for apologizing and having a conscience to feel bad about my mistakes. I'm not perfect. I'm not expected to be. But I think I'm perfect for being me. I'm perfect for myself. And if that's not good enough for you, that would be your problem. And I feel that anyone who can't recognize my worth is missing out because I'm pretty awesome. I'm a good friend. I'm a good nurse. And I care easily about people. I have strong values and strong empathy. I know who I am. I don't need my environment to validate me. I live on my terms and I do a good job at it. It took me a really long time to come to that conclusion and I don't feel that way about myself every day. But on the days that I don't feel that way about myself, I remember that I do have that within me. And I can reflect back to the days where I was feeling that about myself and know that that's a safe place for me and that I can get back there. Healing takes practice and it takes time. Sometimes you take steps backwards. Um, another exercise that I like to have people do is naming your negative inner voice. Um, I actually got this idea from someone that I met through my support groups and is a close friend of mine now so we did this together he brought this up to me and I named mine Brenda and this is helpful because it kind of gives your negative inner voice an identity outside of yourself because we're trying to separate that from ourself that's not us so Brenda isn't me Brenda is something my brain does when I'm not using healthy coping mechanisms or I'm under a lot of pressure or stress or I'm just dealing with heavy depression or anxiety. Brenda comes when I'm in chronic stress or right after acute stress. That's kind of what I pinpointed for myself. So I'm strong, 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 pushing through, pushing through, you know, adrenaline's going, adrenaline's going. And then when my adrenaline runs out, my body starts to rest and I'm kind of out of juice, and Brenda tries to strong arm me. So what that can look like is get up, you don't need a nap. Like this used to be like a fleeting thought that I didn't even think anything of, but now I catch that right away. If I'm tired and I'm contemplating on whether to lay down, whether I deserve to lay down and get rest or whether I'd be a piece of shit or not if I cleaned my house or took a nap instead, and I hear a thought like that cross my mind, get up, you don't need a nap, immediately 
on my better days, on my bad days, I'm still working on it, on my better days, immediately when I hear a thought like that, I go, oh, hello, Brenda, right? Even something super mild, like if I'm thirsty and I'm like busy and I'm just going, going at work and I'm thirsty, I'll hear something like, you're not that thirsty, keep going, you don't need water right now, okay? That's self-destructive. Now, those get uglier. Those are kind of some more mild ones, but we need to try to get really mindful of when we hear thoughts like that cross our mind and recognize that that's not good for us. And that's that's not a part of our true selves. That's a negative inner voice that's developed from abuse or trauma or whatever. So... I had to really practice that, recognizing when Brenda is talking, because I had no idea at first. I wasn't mindful of my thoughts. Some other examples are, you look like shit, you look tired, you look fat, right? I used to just not even pay attention to that, and I thought that's just how I felt. But really, those are intrusive negative inner thoughts that I can combat and overcome. I'll hear thoughts like that, and then if I'm really deep in it, she'll start giving instructions that go against me and taking care of myself to cope. So that was A, recognizing it. B is I had to learn when to take a pause before acting on a thought and say, you know what, Brenda? Shut the fuck up. We're not doing this today. I'm going to take a nap. I deserve a nap. You need to be quiet. Try it like this. Have you ever gotten mad when someone is being rude or mean to your mom or sister or little brother or your best friend? That makes you mad, right? So let's think about that. Think about someone you love and someone being mean to them or belittling them or getting them to do something that's not good for them. I want you to visualize yourself in that moment getting upset about that and the courage that you feel or you felt if you're reflecting on a memory to stand up for them. Take a moment to do that when you pause on a negative inner thought and recognize that that's your Brenda talking and feel that courage to defend yourself. You deserve for someone to stand up for you against your negative inner voice when it's being unkind to you. The only person who hears that is you. Unless you verbalize those thoughts, then you can gain some outside support from trusted people or a therapist. Therapy is where I started sharing my negative inner thoughts, and she taught me this. So that's a wise idea. But overall, in your day-to-day life, you're going to be the best person for that job to combat that negative inner voice. So get good at recognizing it and get good at getting irritated about it and defend yourself. Another exercise that I like to teach on this topic is power posing, which when I first learned about this, I thought it was so corny, but then I tried it and it actually really worked for me. So um, you could try this. It's best to try it when you're feeling little and like you're not enough or you're not worthy in whatever situation you're in. So if you're in a confrontation with someone, if you're in a new situation where you're feeling intimidated, um, 
obviously I used this a lot in my abusive relationship. I learned, you know, to stand up for myself at the end and he didn't like that. And that's when things started to change for us. Um, another place that I used this in was nursing school. I was intimidated a lot in nursing school. I felt really little most of the time in those situations. I was the most uneducated person in the room compared to everybody else, right? These are all seasoned nurses and doctors that I'm learning from, and I'm brand new. And a lot of the time, I had someone breathing down my neck trying to make sure I was going to be enough to do this job, that I'd know enough, that I'd learned enough, that I'm fast enough, that I recover quick enough for mistakes or that I just don't make mistakes at all. You guys ever felt that? Because I felt that a lot in my abusive relationship too. Um, Obviously in a different context, but right, it could be similar. So when you feel this, I want you to try just a couple of adjustments. You can practice them now. I want you to roll your shoulders back and put your chest out. Put your chin up. And you can either say it out loud or in your head if you're in a room full of people. I like to do it out loud when I can. If I'm having a bad day, I'll come home and I'll do this. I'll put my chest out and my chin up and say, I am enough. I am enough. Go ahead and stand up if you're not already. And I want you to do it again. Put your hands on your hips, put your chest out, put your chin all the way up and say to yourself, I am worthy. I am not scared of you. I will prevail no matter what you say, no matter how much you try to convince me that I'm a failure. I know I'm not. I'm going to be kind to myself. I deserve compassion always. Try that next time you're feeling small. Recognize your Brenda. Face Brenda. Tell Brenda to go away. There is no place for her in your life because you are enough all on your own. You don't need her to think so or anyone else for that matter, including your abusive partner. And I encourage you to work in therapy or whatever treatment you're choosing to find out where the hell Brenda came from, why, from whom, and to fully attack that for yourself and stand up for yourself and put those boundaries up wherever they need to be. All right, guys, much love. Till next time.